um, more than jazzed up about the series that we are fixing to um, continue. This is um, a series, actually today's message was my alternative message. I have an echo right now. I don't know. Okay, cool. Um, I, um, this was uh, my original first sermon for Easter Sunday. As you guys heard, I wrote seven or eight of them, and uh, this was the OG version of it. And so, uh, and um, I'm really excited about this. This message, this series, I believe changed my life um, about 17 years ago. I was already a believer for about three years, and studying Christ and seeking the Lord. Um, I had heard some things that kind of just changed my understanding of of the way that I viewed or understood the Lord, and it really set me on a course of of studying Him. And uh, and so I'm I'm believing that this can be a week that changes um, your approach to the Lord. We're going to be do- this series is a lot about identity, and uh, man it's going to be good. And so we're talking about identity. We're talking about the Lord's identity and, uh, and who he is really in, in the, in the gospel of John, in the last chapter, the last couple verses, the apostle John said this, he said, listen, if, um, if, if I could tell you everything that Jesus did and, and everything who he is, there wouldn't be enough paper in all the world to contain the information of who God is. And, and it's, so it's, Really hard for me, uh, the amount of pressure I feel that I put on myself, really, um, to try to explain God in, in a 30-minute conversation. <laughs> it's next to impossible. But with that being said, I, I pray that we do kind of learn to understand uh, who the Lord's identity is as we approach him. It changes the way we approach him when we understand who he is. And so um, our church's identity, I, I, I pray, is a people that, that really want to seek God. Now, what I mean by that is, is um, I, I, I pray more than anything that we are not a people of, uh, that are prideful about our approach to God or that we've arrived or that we now somehow understand who God is. There is nothing uglier, I believe, in, in, in Christianity than a people that are overconfident about their spiritual understanding of who God is. It is, it is really a gross feeling to be around someone who knows that they know it's like we've arrived somehow at this place of like, oh, I know who God is. Really? <laughs> you know who the God that created the oceans are. Because we don't even know all of the oceans yet. And how do we know the creator of those oceans? This is the, the, the clay talking about the potter as if we have an understanding of him. And, and so somehow in the heart of Christianity, if we lose this sense of seeking this sense of like, I want to know you more, we've missed it. And so I pray that there is no sense of spiritual pride here, but somehow in all of us, there is a hunger inside of us. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I believe that there is a lot of power in this, today's message. Uh, I want to know him. I, I want to know his voice. I want to walk in his blessing and in his authority. That's such a contradictory statement, isn't it? I want his blessing because he is authority and I want the authority that he would give me to walk in. It's like I need his authority to have authority. Uh, I need his blessing so I can be a blessing. Um, I just, I'm hungry for God because I know that in him the best version of me exists. 
In him, uh, the best father, the best husband, the best leader that I can be is rooted in who he is. And I want you to know that that same is true of you. And so if we aren't seeking him, what are we looking for in our life? And I, I wonder that today about all of us. What is it that you're seeking in life? If you don't know, Google will tell you. Uh, check your, your, your history, and it'll tell you all the things that you are, in fact, infatuated with and you are in pursuit of. So when we make this statement that says, like, I want to seek the Lord because I believe the best version of me is in him, let me remind you of how spiritually bored you've become and how lackadaisically in approach. I mean, is there anything in all of the earth that is more fascinating than the pursuit of God? That is our journey. That is what we're after. If there's anything that has caught our attention more than that, there probably needs to be a level of like, oh God, I've missed it. And um, remind me that you are the most beautiful thing on this earth. And uh, anyways, uh, today I want to start off with uh, probably one of the coolest radical um, encounters that man ever has ever had on this planet with God. It was written about in uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Some of you may be familiar with it. Charleston Heston uh, did a movie about it once, and it was uh, groundbreaking uh, CGI back then. I don't know if you guys ever saw this movie. But anyways, it's the story of the burning bush and uh, where, where God first encounters uh, man almost what would seem to be like face-to-face. -face. Moses has this radical encounter. He's walking through the desert after he's in pursuit of his destiny and he sees a burning bush, and the scripture says that he turns in the direction of it. And I love that verse there in the beginning of Exodus chapter 3 when Moses turns to see God. And he sees a bush that appears to be burning, yet it's not on fire. And uh, it's glowing or something awesome is happening with this bush that is absolutely different than anything else he's ever seen. And he turns to seek after it. I pray that that'd be me in my life. I pray that when God clicks my heart, that I seek after him. I pray that as I'm listening to the radio or I'm listening to sports radio or I'm talking with people, that when God pricks my heart, I turn. It's really what I want the apple of my eye to be in my life. And when God calls my name, I respond. I don't know if that's you, but we've got to get back to that point where we're seeking the Lord. Moses does just that in Exodus chapter three. And he has the greatest encounter with God that we know. And God speaks to him from the bush. And he says, I, I got to go see it. When Moses saw the bush coming to take him closer, God called to him from the middle of the bush. He said, Moses, Moses replied, here I am. And then in verse five, we want to start off and God speaks to Moses and he says, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for the place that you are standing is on holy ground. I don't know when the last time you had an encounter with God was like that. When you realized that you were meeting with someone that was greater than yourself, and it was special. And it was special. Sometimes, a few times a year, I will do it. I used to do it far more often than I do now, but I know that there have been many times in my spiritual relationship with God where I have gotten bored, and I chose to make my relationship with God a special moment. And so I created a holy moment for myself, one, that my shoes had to come off. A candle had to get lit. Something had to happen in the room that I had to clean the room and make it just right, almost as if I was expecting the presence of someone greater than myself. And I created a holy moment for myself. So I knew that who I was going to be with was going to be wonderful. 
create a moment for yourself where you encounter God and you choose to make that room fit for a king. Moses had a special moment with God. And in verse six, verse five, he's standing on holy ground and God says to him in verse six, he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. In verse nine, God speaks to him and he says, look, the cry of my people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. You gotta understand what's happening here. Moses um, is understanding that God's people are slaves in, in Israel. They're literally slaves. They're being whipped. They're being forced to do work they don't wanna do. God sees the cry of their people. They do, they are seeking God. They're asking God for help. They're asking God for help. They're asking God for help. And God speaks to Moses and says, look, I'm gonna send you to my people. You gotta understand that this is the same thing that is happening today. There are a massive amount of people that we are surrounded with every day that are crying out blanket prayers to God. God, help me. God, I need you. God, I need a miracle in my finances. God, I need money to buy my kids school clothes. God, I need new pair of shoes for my child. God, I need help in my marriage. God, I need help. I gotta get off these drugs. God, if anyone finds out what I'm doing in my life, I'm gonna be ruined. You gotta help me. There are people that are crying out that they feel like they're slaves all around you. And God calls out to Moses. He says, I wanna send you. I want you to know it's no different for you. But in this case, God is speaking to Moses. And what's important is that up to this point, the only way that we know of God in scriptures is in, to Adam, he was Lord. And after Adam, he was the Lord God. Throughout scriptures, the only way that man identified with God is he was God, he was the Lord God, he was, he was the Lord, and he was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God was a blanket identity that people didn't necessarily know his name or know how to be personal with him. Does this make sense? And God speaks to Moses in a way that's important because I believe some of us are seeking the Lord in our life. And what was so special about this for me was my identification of Jesus was that he really was just my savior and he really just was my Lord. God had never spoke to me about identity in my life or identity of how I was to view him. And it's important because this is the first time in scripture that God identifies himself to man. And uh, I'm gonna pick it back up right here in verse 13. God says, or in verse, in verse 10, he, he says, I'm gonna send you to my people. Verse 13, Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask me, well, what's his name? And, and what should I tell them? I don't know if any of you ever have questions about like, what the heck am I gonna say about who God is? And Moses has the same problem. Moses uh, replied, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name and my name to remember for all generations. Let's pray. Jesus, help. 
Help. Help. Amen. He says, uh, tell them that I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. He would identify himself as, um, as Yahweh. Yahweh. Yahweh uh, would have multiple translations. It would be known as Elohim. It would be known as El Shaddai. It would be known as, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Adonai, uh, Elohim, uh, Yahweh, my Lord and Lord. Different translations. I am who I am is a weird thing to say. But the Lord would say, tell them that I am has sent me. I am has sent me, I am has sent me, I am has sent me. That seems like a weird way to identify yourself to a people. Yet, when you're talking to a people that is without hope, I am changes everything. What he's saying is, go and tell Pharaoh that I am. Go and tell Pharaoh that I am is, is, is singular, now we're talking about a, a man who knows of many gods. And Moses is going to this man and saying, no, 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 no. There is only one and he is, I am. Who is God? He is, I am. He is one person. He is one mind. Who is he? He is the great deliverer. He is the God of mercy. He wants to have mercy on his people. This is who God is. This is what he's trying to accomplish. But he, go and tell Pharaoh, I am is here. I am is going to move. I am is about to be just. I am is about to pour out his wrath. I am the great deliverer is about to stand firm in this circumstance. And he just throws this statement out like I am, like it's you fill in the blank, but he is, I am. It seems so elementary to me, this thought, this logic. Like I, when I heard it for the first time, I actually just saw it on, a, on a, like a little picture and it didn't make sense to me. I, I had read it, but I read over it and I didn't understand what God was really trying to say to us. What do you mean? He is, I am. Up to this point, like I said, he's, he's only been the Lord. He's only been the Lord God. He's only been the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now he's trying to individualize himself to all of us. How? You have questions in your life. Who is going to help me? I am. Who is going to provide? I am. When are you going to provide? I am. How will you do it? I am. You know what I have found out? That in my life, I have had some hard questions for God, hard questions for myself, where I'm driving and I don't know the answers to what's happening in my life. And I believe that I am is also a statement. It is the answer to probably most of the questions in your life. And it is the answer that I don't want. I am. And I think we're seeking this, but we have forgotten it. Here's what I mean. This reality is so simple. It's so simple, it's like, yeah, dude, I know. What's your point? No. You missed it. I am. What, what do you mean? I mean, we have 
even Christians are oversaturated with so much stinking information about God and the things that God has done and who he is and what he wants to do in the Greek and the Hebrew and, and fascination with Bible stories and all of these things that we have forgotten who God is. And when God steps on the scene for the first time to identify himself with the greatest encounter that man had ever had with God, all he said is, I am, and I believe it is the answer to just about every stinking problem in our life. I am. I don't like that answer. I would like another. Nope, you're not getting another. I am. It is the greatest thing that God had said to man up to this point on earth. I am, and it is a very direct answer. It's not one that I like. We have so much information, though. We have heard so many scriptures. We've heard so many stories about the Bible, so many sermons, so many sermons, so many sermons, so many sermons. We have heard so many sermons. We know so much about God. It is crazy that we have forgotten so much about God. And I believe at the epicenter of everything that is the DNA of our faith, this statement exists. It is the seed that gives birth to a giant oak that many, 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 many could come and dwell. If there's anything I need you to learn or relearn or now understand about who God is, it is, but I know that you know, because we all know, we've heard so many stories and we're seeking new revelations and we're seeking new revelations we need new TED Talks to wow us, new cool snippets on Facebook of like a powerful little illustration that, that Stephen Furtick is going to do, or someone's going to say something that's going to be like a new way that we're going to say it. And I don't know if anyone's going to say it any better than, I am. And I'm not trying to be poetic or anything else, but this is the greatest encounter with God that anyone had ever had with man up to this point. And I think that we have forgotten it. I believe the answer to what God is saying to most of our lives comes in the identity of who we have forgotten him to be. And it doesn't come with learning it. It comes with encountering it. Friends, if you are a Christian at all, if you are seeking God in your life, you have to understand that what we're trying to do is seek I am. And there's a difference in hearing it and encountering it. When you encounter the reality that he is, I am, it fills us with an understanding of how we will execute our life now moving forward. The Apostle Paul said it this way uh, in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 10 through 14. He said this. Man, I love it, I love it, I love it. He says, Paul said, I, I want to know Jesus Christ and, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him and sharing in his death so that I, I may one way or another experience the resurrection from the dead. I, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I already have reached perfection, but I press on to the perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed for me. No, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I have not achieved the knowledge of knowing who he is yet. I haven't laid hold of it yet. And some of us have gotten spiritually bored and we got to kick ourselves for a second because the apostle Paul, who has done great things, is saying, I haven't, even got, I haven't even arrived yet. It's the tip of the iceberg. I press on to reach, to reach the end of the race and, and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. It's still ahead. 
And so here's what I really, I said all that to get me to this point. I have seven points today, and I don't know how I'm going to get through them all. He is, I am. There's an identity that we have to fall back on with Christ, and it only happens through encounter. It only happens through us seeking the Lord. I pray that 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 you hear me on this. If there is anything inside of you that is still curious about who God is, you have to create moments where you allow yourself to seek Jesus. What does that mean? Uh, I'm married now to the most beautiful girl in every room she walks into, the most anointed person I know in every room. Yet I can tell you with all of my, all my heart and every man that has ever lived can tell you this also. She is still 100% a mystery to me. Amen? Uh, it is the same way with the Lord. I live with this woman. I know what she smells like. I know the sound of her voice. I know everything about her. If she is still a mystery to me, how much more should the Lord? But yet we get to a point where we feel like we have figured out who he is. Who he says he is is I am. I am here right now. I am seeking you in your life. I am a lot of things. And it's important that we wrap our mind around the fact that God is still waiting for us. He is I am. and He is still wanting us. And you can fill in the dot, dot, dot what that means to you, but he is, I am. And I believe that he is still wanting us. And somehow we have entertained ourselves with so much stinking information that we are seeking new shoes, new clothes, new car deals, new information of athletes and stats and things that are happening all around the world that we have to become re-entertained with the answer to every question that we're actually asking. How will I? When will I? Where will I? I am. Have to get in the sermon, Tim. Shut up. Keep talking. Here we go. Jesus stepped onto the scene in the, in the Gospel of John, and he encountered a man named John the Baptist. And during this encounter, John the Baptist looked over at Jesus, and he says, oh my gosh, he's baptizing people. There's hundreds, possibly thousands of people aligned around the riverbanks to hear a speech from Jesus or from John, and he looks and he sees a guy in the crowd and he goes, oh my goodness, this is the guy that has come. I'm not worthy even to untie his sandals. He says, Jesus, I, I, I should be baptized by you, not the other way around. Jesus, no, look, we gotta do it this way. John realized that this was the moment of everything. That God stepped on the scene and finally defines himself with greater detail. Now, the way that he does it is awesome. Jesus makes multiple statements in the Gospel of John that would define himself for his people. I'm going to try to quickly, as quickly as I can, go over some of them. Please understand that all of these should be a sermon on itself. And I promise that if you study any and all of them, you will find a better sermon than what I'm about to teach you. It's just the way it works. When you read God's word, it speaks to you. Study these things. It's really fascinating. The first thing that Jesus would say, he says, I am, number one, the bread of life. I'm going to take you there. It's found in um, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And uh, you have to understand, he says, I am the bread of life. What you need to know, a little background about this story, is right before Jesus makes this awesome statement about the bread of life, 
He had just got done feeding 5,000 people. It was an awesome miracle. There's all these people that are coming out because they're hearing that Jesus is healing the sick, the blind eyes are opening, and they want to see miracles. They want to hear what this guy has to say, and they want to be fascinated. No different than you and I. We want to be fascinated. We wanted to go to the greatest concerts, the greatest uh, orchestras or the greatest bands or see the greatest entertainment. We stay up and watch the latest shows because we want to be entertained. These people wanted to be entertained also and they came to see Jesus. He, he showed, he fed them. Like, they're all here. We need a miracle. He, he took bread and he multiplied it in a way that would feed 5,000 people. Now, this wasn't the first time that this happened. In fact, it happened in the Old Testament with Moses when God fed his people that were walking around the wilderness, didn't have food, and he fed them with manna. Does anyone ever remember the story? Manna fell from heaven and God's people had food. Bread was a significance to them because it nourished their soul. It provided food for their tummies, but bread was a symbol of soul food. Jesus multiplies bread and feeds 5,000 people, and then he gives a sermon. Well, he, he gets in a boat and he travels over to another side of the lake and 5,000 people realize that Jesus is gone. Can you imagine what 5,000 people look like when they're walking around the lake looking for Jesus? They get there, they want to hear more, and we, and we jump off in uh, I am the bread of life, uh, John chapter six. So they replied, we want to perform God's works also. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you. This is Jesus, God talking to us. This is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. Man, that's thinking so simple. Believe that I am. And they answered, show us miraculous sign if you want us to believe. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. And the scripture says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that Moses did not give you bread from heaven. My father did. I love that. Man, that's, that's good. Nope, Moses didn't do it. No, 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 no. God did it. Uh, and he says, and now he offers you true bread from heaven, the true bread of God, which is the one that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. What's crazy about this is many of us love God. Don't seek God though. We, 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 we love the information we know about. Uh, we know that Jesus died on the cross for me and he loves me, but who's gonna help me with my finances? Seek I am. I, I love Jesus and I go to church and I help out there, but, 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 but who's gonna help me with my finances? How am I gonna provide? I got a financial situation. I am the bread of life. I am everything you are looking for me. And if you're looking for anything else, any other answer anywhere else, you're missing it. You can't fix your marriage. I can. Seek me. I will lead you. He, you, know, I, you can't provide the money that you need to. I can seek me. I am the bread of life. And we're driving around like we're hopeless people and we already love Jesus and we're missing it. And there are people that are following him going, Jesus, show me another trick. And he's going, you don't get it. I am the bread of life. 
You want to see the bread of life. No, 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 no. It's me. And I think many of us want Jesus to do a puppet trick. And the whole answer is that we would stop being so stinking entertained with the gospel and seek Jesus. This only happens when we have a relationship with him. That's point number one. And I'm 30 minutes into the message. Here we go. Point number two is Jesus says that I am the light of the world. You know what was really neat is I had forgotten this completely. Not that he's the light of the world. I love that. Um, but I forgot where this passage came out of. It's uh, if you, oh man, I'm just gonna put it up on the screen. The, Jesus makes this statement right after um, in, uh, in John chapter eight, right after the woman is caught in adultery. The woman is caught in adultery and he looks at this young lady and he says, Not, no one, Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you no more. Go and sin no more. How cool is that? He, he dismisses this girl and then he stands up and addresses the, the crowd that's here to watch now. And he says this, I am the light of the world. <coughs> he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have light of life. I am the light of the world. What's important that we understand this is that God is, I am. And now he's trying to fill in the blanks and help us to understand what he's, what he's looking for. He is, I am. He is so many things, I am. He is such, so many persons, I am. He has so many personalities, I am. But what he's saying is the world is looking for hope. The world is walking in darkness. The world is looking for purpose. And this young lady, the reason why she's in this situation is because she doesn't have purpose. And the reason why some of us are entertained in sin right now, some of you guys are bound in sin today. You're entertained with pornography or you're, you're entertained with addiction. You're like, we're stuck in a situation. We're entertained with anger or unforgiveness or bitterness. Or we're upset because someone hurt us or they shortchanged us or we're entertained with our job. And the reason why we don't have purpose is because we're not, we don't know who God is. Like we don't get, he is life. He is the light of the world. What is there when there is no light? I, I, I was researching this weekend and I realized that scientists really don't know where, how light is, how it exists. But we know that if there is no, no light, there is no life. You turn off the lights and we all walk in darkness. You know, they say the depression rate of people up north that, that have live in overcast or like folks that live in like Alaska or places where the sun doesn't even come up. It's crazy because they're walking around in darkness. The sun gives light. Light gives life. Those that understand light, where the light comes on, there's hope. Some people are walking around with no sense of direction. And when you don't have direction or know where you're going, you stumble into whatever comes your way. I am the light. And he's talking about giving this girl, I believe, purpose. It's not her fault she did it. She's just got no sense of worth today. And I love that there's no condemnation there in that moment. He's really just saying like, if you, if you, if you look to me, if you folks would be entertained with what's real. The third thing he says, I'm sorry, I gotta get moving. Uh, he says, I am the gate. John chapter 10, verse seven through, seven through 10. Oh man, I'll read it, I'll read it, I'll read it. 
I get so excited. I'm sorry. You guys, you guys already know me. What am I trying to apologize for? John chapter 10, verses um, 7 through 10. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. All who hears and all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to me. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved, for they will come and go freely, and they will find good pastures. But the thief comes in to steal, to kill, and destroy. And my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. You know what I was thinking about in the world that we live in today? Everyone that wants us to follow them is really trying to only find gain in their own life. People that are saying, hey, won't you come and buy this? It's so that I can profit. In just about every arena, people want our attention so they can profit from us. Follow me on Twitter so I can say I have more followers. I have something significant to say and you should listen to me. And everyone is, he's saying that everyone else that's speaking into our life is doing it for selfish gain. And the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm actually the gate that's gonna lead you to good pastures. He's, he's quoting the 23rd Psalm and he's trying to say, look, I know a lot of you guys are looking for safe pastures. Everyone else is actually trying to rob from you. And what I'm saying is I'm here and man, I have found this as, as, as a follower of Jesus and having so many countless conversations with people about God, so many people are, are afraid of making a decision for God because they feel like at that moment they're gonna lose something. Everyone's looking for green pastures. Christians in this church today are looking for green pastures. I love that we were worshiping a couple minutes ago and it was like I had my own green pasture that was just, it was like a meadowland. It was right here and uh, there was just perfect lush grass. I was, and it wasn't like the St. Augustine grass that's down here in Florida. It was like the Northern grass that's like soft and wonderful and there's no ants or bugs that crawl on you on it. You know, like it's just wonderful and you're laying there and it's great. Green pastures, he's saying that I'm the gate you're looking for rest. You're only gonna find it when you look for me. There's a lot of other people that you're following right now in your life, jobs, careers, people, information, and they're leading you on a wild goose chase and they're only robbing you of time and rest. I am the gate. And we know that. I know that Jesus is, is life. I know that he is, why, why am I so still confused about the direction of my life? Why am I still so confused about because this isn't information. This is an encounter. And you gotta know that he is, I am. You gotta encounter him. And so friends, when we have relationship with God and we make time and we sit with him and we recognize, oh, you love me. You're the one that's gonna lead me out of this while I'll follow you. He would go on to say in the next chapter here, um, and this is all in chapter, in the gospel of John. He would say, in, in, uh, um, I am the good Shepherd, uh, 11 through 16. I'm the good shepherd. and the, the, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. A hired hand will run when they see a wolf coming and they'll abandon their sheep because they don't belong to him. He isn't their shepherd. And the wolf will attack and they'll scatter the flock. A hired hand runs away because he is working only for money and he really doesn't care about the sheep. And what he's saying is, hey guys, look, I'm not running from your problems. I'm here to fix them. I think that's so important, man. Jesus is saying, who am I? Who is God? God is here and he's here to fix your, like you're scared and you're terrified because there's an enemy that's out to get you and he's like, I'm not running. I'm here to solve the problem. And many of us are looking for answers everywhere else. We're going to the wrong gate. We're going to the wrong resources. 
holy moly, this is, it was so good for me to understand what God is trying to say, I am. Again, he, he would say this, I am the resurrection and the life. And, we're, and if, there, if God is in this, I don't know what he is. He's saying, look, there is an end day for all of us. There is not an end day for those that follow me. You can be terrified of anything you want, but if you recognize that I am life, I read it last week, so I'm not going to read it again, and I'm out of time anyway. So, uh, but this is my favorite one, so I'm going to read this, and then I'll try to close. Deb, would you come? This is, I'm sorry, I ran out of time. I got excited. And of all of the passages in the Bible, I have found no greater revelation than any chapter than the book of John, or John chapter 15. I believe that uh, I, there was a time where I spent a month and a half rereading the same chapter every day. Me and friends will read the chapter and we would reread it and we would reread it and we would reread it and I found new truths every day reading this chapter. And I believe that this is one of the biggest hardships that we have. Please understand as an American, everything is fighting for your attention. I feel so bad that now television has gotten to the point that those that uh, make videos, they realize that they, in order to keep your attention, they have to have a new screenshot every two and a half seconds. The camera has to adjust to something new. Now, actually, it's so fast moving that they have learned now the counter. If they actually hold the camera on something for like eight seconds, it's like a really dramatic moment because this doesn't happen anymore because they have to constantly grab your attention, grab your attention, grab your attention, grab your attention. Everything's fighting for your attention. And God says this, he says, who am I? I am the true grapevine. I am the vine. You are the branches. And he that abides in me will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, you're already clean because of the, the word that I have spoken to you. Meaning, I, you, you're not clean because you fixed it. You're clean because I fixed it. I spoke over you and I changed your life. I'm giving you purpose. Your purpose only exists when you're still connected to me. You are a branch. Branches aren't very beneficial when they're not connected to the vine. I am, I am. You are, you're not. <laughs> Abide in me. And friends, it makes complete sense. We are so much more fruitful. We started off by saying the best version of me we know is in God. The best husband, the, 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 the best wife, whoever, you know, to each his own, right? To, to the, the best leader, the, the, the best parent, the, the best coworker, the, the, the best manager. It's all in Christ. When we know, when, we, when we, we bind ourselves to Jesus, we have true wisdom. Yet, we're not making time to ground ourselves to I am. Somehow we found, before I go into work, it's more fascinating to Google something awesome or listen to another sermon that's more entertaining. no. There is no sermon out there that's cooler than I am. It's, it's not in a sermon. Your sermon can't heal you. Your sermon can't provide for you. He is, I am. And that's it. I mean, 
So my, my, my prayer today is that the culture of our church would be different than anything else. I, I, I don't care about what any other church is doing. I'm just talking about what we're doing. We are a people that are hungry for God. We are a people that are fascinated by God. We are a people that are still seeking. We are a people that are hungry for Jesus. We are a people that are not entertained by the world. We are a people that want to know him. I want to see his voice. I want to know who I am is. And out of that comes everything. This is the first part in this series. And next week, I believe, is kind of better. And I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to like one-up anything, but I, I promise. This is not about a good sermon. This is about a great understanding. There's no amount of words that I can do that can entertain you, create a little spell. Jesus actually multiplied bread to feed 5,000 people and told them, you're not getting it. I, it's me. You, you're looking for another trick. Guys, there's no trick coming. I know some of you need a finances. Well, every person in this room needs a financial miracle. I believe. Where is the answer to my finances coming from? You are I am. You are my provider. Where is the hope of my marriage gonna come from? You are. When is my spouse ever gonna arrive in my life? Oh, you are, I am. I don't like that answer, God. Well, find more entertainment elsewhere, but I am the resurrection and the life. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other answer. Lord, help me not to be entertained by anything else but you. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I believe that many people in this room need to recommit their life to Jesus. I believe we need to live for Jesus with our whole heart that says, God, I 100% want to be entertained who you are at your core. I want to know you. I want to be fascinated by what you say, by who you are, by what's in your hand, by what's in your heart, by the look in your eye. I want to know you. I want to seek you. 